All right, well, uh, take your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew in chapter number 16. Matthew in chapter number 16 is good to be back. We were in Indiana for a little bit, and then Angie came back. I stayed over to go down to Kentucky and did a wedding for, for a cousin, and uh, got to be a part of that. And um, at the very end of the service, I said, uh, by the uh, power invested in me as a minister of the gospel, and according to the laws of the great state of Oklahoma. Uh, so I said, I mean, Kentucky. So anyways, they are, they are legal in both states, I guess, right? So it's bound to happen. Not as bad as the time I told her, the bride, I said, would you please take the ring and put it on the left finger of his third hand? And she looked at me like, what in the world? So anyways, yeah, you didn't know he had a third hand, did you? But uh, so anymore, I just, <laughs> I just say uh, his ring finger, just figure out which one, you know, right? So... Anyways, glad to be home, though, I got to tell you. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter number 16. We're, we're going to read a little bit here just where we've been. I think it'll help everybody just getting on the same page. And, and uh, in Matthew 16 and verse 13, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. How about we do that? Will you pay attention as we do? Matthew 16 and verse number 13 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, I say unto thee rather, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the key the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now our text, verse number 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. But, but don't miss this. They, they did. They missed it three times. Um, he would be killed, but be raised again the third day. Now notice verse 22. Then Peter took him, took Jesus, and began to rebuke him. Wow, can you imagine taking Jesus to the side? Jesus, come here, you, you've got some things wrong with your doctrine. <laughs> got some things wrong with your uh, doctrine of the end times. Uh, Jesus, this is not how this is supposed to go. Well, we enjoyed Peter being right for a little while, didn't we? When he said, thou art the Christ, 
But he, he failed the next test, right? So he said this, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. That's strong words, isn't it? Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, that there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And we'll really deal with those last two verses more so in a coming sermon, God willing, next, next Sunday. This, uh, this morning, we're going to look at verses 21 through verse number 26. And here's the title of the message. Our, our theme for this series is Jesus is King. Jesus is King. And here's the title of this morning's message. Bargaining for a less expensive version of Christianity. Bargaining for a less expensive version of Christianity. But there's a high price to pay either way. There's a high price to pay either way. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's, let's consider this. This is a, this is a monumental task. You, you may even have thought in your mind, you know, I think this is the third week straight that we've read verses 13 through 17. Yes, yes. This is, uh, this is a watershed moment as we come to uh, this pivotal passage here. I would imagine that uh, many of you enjoy shopping for bargains. So how many bargain shoppers in the congregation? Yep, there you are. I thought so. And uh, men and ladies alike enjoy a good bargain in person or online now. You don't even have to leave the house to find a good bargain. Uh, bargain shop. And I, I do. I thank the Lord for my wife. And, and she, uh, she is really good at finding bargains. I am not. Once I figure out what I, I need, here's what I do. I go in and get it. I'm not looking at the price too much on most things. Now, on, on some things, I'm really slow. Uh, but uh, on most things, you know, I just go in and buy. You know, you can tell, you can tell if, uh, if I, if, who's been doing the, maybe some of the grocery shopping, if there's a lot of name brand stuff there. You know, I just go in and find what, that looks good. Let's go with that, right? Pay the price. Get out. That's my main goal is get out. Get out, right? <laughs> a bargain though, a bargain is this. It's an advantageous purchase. It's an advantageous purchase. It's a good purchase, especially one acquired at less than usual cost. Are we all together? 
So bargain is something that you purchase, something that you acquire at less than usual cost. That is a bargain, something you purchase at less than usual cost. I just want to say there's no telling how much money we've saved by, how much money we've spent rather by saving money. Everybody get that? <laughs> now, bargaining, okay, so the verb uh, bar to bargain uh, would be to discuss the terms of a bargain, to haggle or to negotiate, all right? So you go in and you're maybe going to buy a vehicle or, and you're going to negotiate. You're going to negotiate the price. You're, you're going to bargain. You're going try to try to haggle a little bit and, and get a, a lower price. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter may not have realized it. He may not have used that terminology. And he, he, I think a lot of it is he just didn't understand the full scope of things. But he's looking for a lower price to pay. I think out of care for his Lord, it's evident that, that Peter loved Jesus. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He loved the Lord Jesus. In fact, when they came to take Jesus by force in the garden, then, then Peter was the one that took out his sword and, and, and uh, uh, swung it and cut off a man's ear. I mean, obviously he was a fisherman. Because he missed the guy's head and got his ear. I don't know if the guy died. I don't know. Anyways, but all I know is that, that he, loved, he loved his Lord. And I think he was doing what he could to try to protect him. And so here he says, Lord, no, being far from thee, this, this shouldn't happen to you. You're the Messiah. You, this can't happen. And, and so we'll, we'll get more into that here in just a few moments. But, but he was looking even for Jesus to pay less a less price. But Jesus couldn't pay any less of a price. Uh, Jesus then is going to proceed to explain to Peter and the others what it's going to cost them. Let me be very clear up front here this morning. Salvation will cost you nothing because it costs, it, it costs Jesus everything. But discipleship will cost you. Salvation will not cost you. You could not buy salvation. The only one that could pay the price did. And it was Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And friend, listen, he loves you. He loved you. He loves you. He died in your place. He paid the price for your sin. You are not redeemed. We are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But we are redeemed. The word redeemed, by the way, means this. We are bought with a price. We are bought back with a price. You are bought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's how much he loved you as he paid that ultimate price. Salvation, you cannot pay for salvation. You cannot pay for salvation, but you must pay a price when it comes to discipleship. I want to make that clear distinction because that's certainly what, what Jesus is saying here. By all appearances, it appears that, that uh, modern Christianity is looking for a bargain on being a disciple. They want to pay. I think, okay, I say they. That sounds accusatory. We. Us. We. We want to pay a less price. When, when you look at what Jesus says here, 
Deep down, every one of us want to say, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to pay that price. But by not paying that price, you pay another price. Dave Hardy, uh, our good friend, uh, wrote an article called Either Make Disciples or Make Concessions. Either Make Disciples or Make Concessions. And he's basing it on Luke chapter number 14, a sister passage or a parallel passage to, to the likes of what we're considering here this morning. And, and, and I just want to read this because he words it so well. It's one of my favorite uh, essays or whatever you want to call it that, that Brother uh, Hardy has written. He, and he says this, Across the length and breadth of our great country are church spires marking the location of supposed embassies for the, for the God of heaven. Do you hear what he's saying? Across our great land, there are churches all over this land that are supposed embassies, you know, like an embassy, like we have an embassy in Jerusalem, we have an embassy, you know, in other parts representing the United States of America. Uh, here he says that these churches supposed, are supposed embassies for the God of heaven. He says in our land, they are numerous enough so as to provide a glimpse of God's will on earth for all. However, something has gone dreadfully wrong. These places, these churches are still great in number, but they offer little to illustrate God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Rather, they are just a segment of the subculture. Is everybody following along so far? I won't lose anybody right here. He's saying across this land, there are churches that are supposed to be representing God's will in heaven, but, and they're still numerous enough to provide light to those that live here in the United States of America. And they're supposed to show God's will on earth as in heaven. But he says they are just a segment of the subculture under the cloak of religion that offers a tax shelter. This watered-down version of God's will is due in great part to a lack of making disciples. He references Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you maybe know that name. Diedrich Bonhoeffer uh, wrote a, a book called, uh, wrote The Cost of Discipleship during World War II. He was executed just days uh, before his uh, the death camp was released, was liberated. Bonhoeffer popularized this, this term, I'm sorry, cheap grace. Cheap grace. He defined cheap grace in this way, as grace without discipleship. Grace without discipleship. He said it was grace without discipleship it was great, I'm sorry, he defined it as grace without a cross. The Christian's cross. Preaching forgiveness without repentance. Well, everybody wants to be forgiven, but how many are willing to repent and turn from their wicked ways? Oh, we want to be forgiven, we want to go on, but, but how many are willing to leave all that behind? Cheap grace, forgiveness without repentance, baptism without dis discipline. Cheap grace is forgiveness of all sins. Listen to this. Cheap grace is a forgiveness of all sins that re only requires the Christian to leave the world for an hour or so a week to attend a church service while his life can remain 
the same. I'm going to read that last line again. Cheap grace is forgiveness of all sins that requires a Christian to leave the world only for an hour or so, attending a church service while their life remains exactly the same. Right here in our passage, Jesus says, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. And if you're going to follow me, your life can't remain like it was previously. I mean, you say, I, I think, preacher, I think that, uh, I think we're considering a very important topic here this morning. In fact, I think there's a lot of the world around us, lost world around us, that is confused because they see Christians living one way for one hour on a Sunday morning. And then they see them living just like they live the rest of the week. That's not how it's supposed to be. So Jesus is at a very pivotal passage here. And, and I don't mind to reiterate it because, I mean, it's very important to the movement of the, the Gospel of Matthew when he says, who do men say that I am? And he's in a very religiously diverse culture as, as men are saying, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe or who you, to whom you pray. I, I heard even the stewardess yesterday as, as I was getting off the plane and he made some comments and it was just kind of one of those comments like, Really? Like it doesn't matter who you pray to. Listen, friend, it does matter to whom you pray. I mean, it was, it was astounding to me. And that's the culture. It's the culture in which we live. And Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And, and, and so this watershed moment, Peter declared, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And so we've got to get that truth, the fact that he is indeed the Savior that has come to save all mankind. We've got to get that truth to people that are confused. So what's the vehicle? What's the means by which that God chose to get that monumental truth to the world? I submit to you, based on what Jesus said here, he chose to do, through, do so through the church. And last week, we spent quite a bit of time talking about what the church is because there's a lot of confusion about what the church is. Listen, the church is not the universal body of believers worldwide. There's no such thing in the Bible as a universal church. There will be this, you'll see the word church. You'll, in fact, you'll see it in this way. You'll see it plural, churches. So that means that there's more than one. How are we doing? Uh, there's more than one. Uh, also, you'll see this. You'll see that it was a church at Corinth, the church at Philippi, the church at Smyrna, the church at Ephesus, the church at all these other locations. So I'm just simply saying there may be, listen, listen to this, we, we got to hit this before we move on. Okay, we've got to hit this because there may be, a there, and there is, a generic use of the word church. But just because the word church is used generally or generically does not mean that it does not necessitate a specific locale. You got that? I might talk about the grocery store. But my wife, when she goes to shop, she does not go to a universal invisible grocery store. No, my friend, listen, she goes and she spends literal money at a literal place. And we're all the better for it. So while I might say grocery, we all understand, even though I use that term, it has to have a physical location. If I say Hobby Lobby, then that's a, I can talk about Hobby Lobby in general. But Hobby Lobby has a specific location. Okay, if I say family, I say tonight we're going to preach on the family. Well, I might use that in a general way, but you have to have people in the family, literal people. 
You got that? So church means a called out assembly. All right, so everybody settled on that? That's what the Bible teaches. So then here would be a question, who makes up churches? If the most important message that the world desperately needs to hear is that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he's chosen the vehicle by which, and he says to Peter, thou art Peter, you're a little movable rock, but I'm going to build my church on this rock, this Petra. Two different terms. We saw that last week. And he says, I'm going to build my rock upon the fact that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, as you have said, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. You're going to open up the door on, on the day of Pentecost, and you're going to open up the door at, at uh, the house of Cornelius. And the gospel is going to go to the lost Gentiles and they're going to be saved and then they're going to be assembled into churches so much so that that's what we've got going on here today. Okay. So the most important message that we have is that Jesus saves. The vehicle for that message is through the local church. The local church then has got to be made up of disciples. Followers, the word disciple simply means follower, one who goes behind, a follower, and in this case, of course, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ through the local churches here. So in this next section, section, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, basically building off of what Peter said, that thou art the Christ, he said, listen, then you need to understand that the Messiah will suffer. He will be rejected and he will be killed. So, that threw Peter for a loop. I'll tell you why. He said, wait a minute, Lord. Brother Andy, you mind now, help me. You mind? Okay, thank you. I appreciate your willingness. <clears throat> They're having this discussion, and Jesus says, um, you're right, let's let Brother Andy represent Peter. He was right. He is, Jesus is the Messiah, okay? That's true. Every, well, Randy wasn't ever really short, but ever since Peter was real small, all his life he'd heard Messiah, power, reigning, kingdom, Jews, um, Israel with the, the throne of David in Jerusalem. That means one thing in his mind, Romans out, Jews in. So when he connected the dots, and he'd already done this, but this is a pivotal pronouncement of it, thou art the Christ, he's thinking, we're going to the kingdom soon and very soon. You're going to be the king. <laughs> All right? So it's almost like this. If I said to Randy, okay, Brother Randy, uh, let's go to the foyer. <laughs> he says, Pastor, you've been traveling a lot. Are you okay? And, uh, and maybe even, you know, he pulls me to the side and says, uh, you got enough sleep, brother? It's, it's that way. <laughs> I say, no, Randy, we're, we're going to the foyer. And I head this direction. It, it doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. And that's exactly what happened with Peter and, and the other disciples is that when Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to be killed. They're going to bury me and I'm going to rise again. They missed that last part, the most pivotal part of it. They missed that. And, and it's like Peter was thinking, we're going to the kingdom. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to the kingdom. I'm going to the cross. And that didn't make any sense to Peter. 
And that's why Peter rebuked Jesus, pulling him off to the side. I mean, literally, that's what's going on. It's like he put his arm around Jesus. Thank you, Brother Randy. You may be seated. Just appreciate that. He said, Lord, you're, you're, you've got this all wrong. Uh, this is not how it's supposed to go. You're not supposed to go. You're not supposed to go to the cross. You're supposed to go to the throne. You're supposed to take the crown. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here, here's what's going on. Here's what Peter's saying to Jesus. Jesus, it's time for the crown, not the cross. And so then that's when Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Why did he say that? Well, because in Matthew chapter number four, the, the enemy of God, Satan himself, tempted Jesus on three occasions, tempted him basically to do this. In fact, the one that makes it most clear is he says this, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. In other words, Satan himself was saying, you can have the, you can have the crown without the cross. Why? Because Satan understood just how pivotal the cross was. He did not want him to go to the cross for us. And so when Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan, he's saying, listen, you're sounding a lot like the enemy of God that did not want me to go to the cross. In other words, he's saying this, you are out of rank. When he says that, get thee behind me, it's a military term that means you got to get back in rank. You're out of rank here. You're out of step. Well, how many of you would agree here this morning that oftentimes we get out of step with God? We say, God, this isn't how my life's supposed to go. Uh, Lord, come here. Uh, you, you got some things wrong about my life. This isn't how it's supposed to go. This isn't how this is supposed to turn out. This isn't how this is supposed to be. Lord, let, let me help you with how my life is supposed to go. Um, You've got to make a decision here. This morning would be best. Who's going to follow who? Because uh, if you're looking, if you're looking for an easier way, are you looking for a bargain on Christianity? Huh? Hang on, wait. Is, am, I, am I connected with anybody here this morning? If you're looking for a bargain on Christianity, if you're looking for something a little bit easier, if you're looking for something a little bit more popular, if you're, if you're looking for something that's not as, as, as hard on you, uh, you can't be his disciple. You got to get back in rank. You got to get in step. And he says, uh, he says that to Peter that thou savest. Look, look at the, next, the, the part of the verse. I want you to see this in chapter number 16. And uh, verse number 23, he says, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou, thou art an offense. You're a trap. You're, you're a stumbling block. Isn't it amazing that Peter went from being a rock to a stumbling block? He went from understanding who Messiah was or that Jesus was the Messiah and he, and he went to a place of saying, Lord, this shouldn't be in your life. And again, I think it is because he cared about the Lord and such, but, but he says, you're an offense. And then look at the next part that he says, thou savorest not the things that be of God. The word savor there means your, your mind is not set on the right things. You're not thinking the right way. You're not looking at this from the right perspective. He, let, let me say it in this way. He wasn't thinking like a disciple. Peter was thinking like a consumer. A consumer gets to determine, I'm not going to pay the price because I don't like the product. Peter was thinking like a consumer, not like a disciple. 
The Lord then turned his attention on the, to the other disciples in verse number 24, and he's making it clear to all of them, and he's making it clear to all of us here today as well in verse number 24. Look at it with me if you would. If any man will come, it's got to be your desire. Do you want to be his disciple here this morning? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to get in behind him? If any man will come after me, look what he says, let him deny himself. Well, I'll tell you what we're good at asserting ourselves, promoting ourselves, thinking of ourselves, self-interest. And, and so that's, what, that's what, uh, what Peter is hearing from the Lord is that, Peter, you are self-consumed. You are self-interested. You are self-promoting, self-reliant. And, and here's, what, here's what this entails. Following Jesus means a conflict between our ease and our comfort. Look at the rest part of the verse there in verse number 24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. They understood that. That whenever a man was carrying a cross up that hill, as Jesus soon would, they understood this, that, that was, they were on their way to execution. The cross was the execution, a uh, form of execution of their day and time. Jesus is here saying to them, if you're going to be my disciple, there must be a death to self-interest. You've got to be willing to pay a price. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what's the next two words? Follow me. Why? Look at verse number 25. Verse number 25. For whosoever will save his life, shall what? Lose it. If I go about to try to protect my life, I say, I, if, I, if I really follow him, that means I'm going to lose something. Those who live for themselves lose the opportunity to live for God. That's what Jesus is saying in verse number 25. Those that, that live for themselves lose the opportunity to live for God. On the other hand, those that live for God lose the opportunity to live for the things of the world. Hey, hey wait a minute. Either way, there's going to be a loss. Either way, there's going to be a gain. You got to determine which is more valuable and which is more important. Um. And, and here's what we're not going to be able to do here this morning. You're not going to be able to successfully bargain with God. And saying, God, look, <clears throat> I know that being your disciple requires this. I'm willing to pay this. Uh, could I get you down on that price, God? I know the church, I know the church meets three times a week, but I'm going to give you one. How's that? Hello, boy. Making friends in here this morning. I can just feel it, right? <laughs> I know the church meets three times a week, but I'm going to give you one. I, I know that, um, I know that you know, living for you, my life ought to be different, but I still have friends that I don't want to give up. 
Well, you can hang on to those friends, but you can't hang on to those kind of friends. Are you following what I'm saying right here? It may be friends that drink, or it may be friends that party. It may be friends that go out. It may be friends that cuss. It may be friends that, that post things they shouldn't. I, I want to I follow you, Jesus, but I want to hang on to... And you know what's so sad is that there are, there are, there are preachers, so-called, so-called preachers that will accommodate that. And they'll say, well, you know, it's kind of hard for everybody to get out on a Sunday night. And, and, uh, and so let's, let's just do this. We're not going to have Sunday night services anymore. We're going to accommodate the culture because the culture doesn't want to get out on Sunday night because they want to have family time. And so we're just going to cancel Sunday night. Hey, you don't realize this. We have people come every Sunday night because their churches aren't having church. I mean, it's going on in our town. People show up. Hey, we're here because our church isn't having church. You know what that is? That's a preacher that's being lazy. You say, man, you're not being very nice today. I'm not mad about anything. I'm just simply saying that this is how it is. That, that listen, it's, I mean, to preach one time a week, that's easy stuff. That's cake. Some pre- I'll tell you what he's doing. He's not spending time with family. He's on his phone. Or he's, he's watching football. See, we, we've got, we've got a, a Christianity and people have bargained for Christianity and even preachers have made it so they put it on sale and said, well, let's just go with a more convenient style of Christianity and let's go with more con- casual form of Christianity and let's just make Christianity really, really easy. Hey, listen, you didn't find that in Matthew chapter number 16, friend. Here's what you found in Matthew chapter number 16. You found a Lord and Savior saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's going to require this. You denying yourself, getting up out of bed on a Sunday afternoon or getting up out of bed on a Sunday morning. Thank God you're here. And I'm, I, I'm thankful that you got up. Maybe it was hard. It was hard for me. I'm sure it's hard for everybody. But you denied yourself, said, no, I'm not pushing that snooze one more time. I push it twice already. I'm not pushing it another time because if I do, then I'm going to miss Sunday school. But I'm going to be there because the church needs to get together. And I need the preaching of the Word of God. I need the teaching of the Word of God. I need to hear from God. I want to be His disciple more than I want to lay at Comfort Side Baptist Church. It's going to cost you something. And let's be honest this morning. That's a small price to pay. You say, well, man, if I follow him and I had to get at church on Sunday night, then I'd have to watch the game later. Well, you'll be all right. There's a price to pay. But, but, but if I do this, and then I, I won't get to be with my friends. I won't get to hang out. I, hey, listen, you've got to make a choice, and you're going to pay a price one way or the other. If you say, I'm going to be his disciple, then it's going to cost you something over here. But if you say, no, I'm going to stay with the world and the worldly people and worldly Christians that are so consumed with themselves and materialism is eating them up and they want bigger and better and more and more and more and more. And, and they want to have this house and this car and take kids all over the place. And they're so busy and they're so tired that they can't serve God. And it's taking aim Sunday and you'd say, man, I would serve on Saturday. I would serve on Sunday, but I'm so tired. I'm so wore out. I'll tell you why we're all wore out and tired all week long or on Sunday even is because we've been living for ourselves all week long and giving God the leftovers. You say, man, you've got no aspirations of being a popular preacher, do you? No, I, I really don't. But I, I want to try to get across what Jesus did, Brother Craig Head, to say, listen, if we're really going to be serious about following him, and I'm not saying being pharisaical about, about it and looking down on other people, but listen, this is going to cost us something if we're really going to be his disciple. But I wonder, what does the lost world need today? 
I believe they need somebody and some people that know that he is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. And they're allowing him to define the terms on what is about their life and what a church is. They're going to let him determine what our lives are going to be about rather than us saying, hey, God, I'll bargain with you on this or I'll trade you this or I'll do this, but I won't do this. How about we just say, God, whatever you want, wherever you want to lead me, I want to lose my life. I'm going to let go of it. Oh, my soul, it's hard to let go of your life. It's so hard to let go, but you're not going to save it if you don't let go. I told uh, the youth last Saturday, I had high aspirations of playing baseball in the major leagues. Thought for sure I'd be sitting on a, on a bench in a dugout in St. Louis. <laughs> Watching Pujols hit number 700 firsthand. Went out to try out on my high school baseball team, and we'd been, we'd been practicing inside and, and on, in February and it was cold, and so I went through the motions of trying to throw the ball, and, 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 just, and I was hanging on the ball too long. But, but when we got out there in May and, and in along about March and April when it got warmer, I couldn't in my brain. I, I'm, just, I'm telling you, it was weird. In my brain, Brother Dean, I couldn't make the transfer, let go of the ball up here. I was letting go of the ball down, down here, and it was, it was bouncing back to the pitcher's mound. You know how embarrassing that is for a catcher? I mean, one hopping it down to second base is one thing. Multiple hops to the pitcher's mound, that's not good. Well, needless to say, I didn't make the team. And I'm glad I didn't. I thought, I'm going to the major leagues. The Lord said, no, you're going to preach. Uh, Lord, I've been playing this game since Pee Wee. Coach pitch. I had a few home runs in Pee Wee. Minor leagues, played catcher, could throw it all the way to second base. Every now and then get a hit. Lord, this is my life. The Lord said, you're out of rank. Get behind me. I'm just simply saying to you, I was holding on so tight <clears throat> to the life that I wanted that I was going to lose the life he was wanting to give me. And that might be some of you today. I don't know in what realm, but you might be holding on to something or someone so much that if, you're, if you don't let go of it, you're going to lose what he wants to do. I've never regretted the day that I walked away from it and said, Lord, I'll follow you. And it's going to cost you something. But if you're going to be his disciple, you've got to be willing to pay the price. He paid the price for you on Calvary for your salvation. You've got to be willing to pay the price to be His disciple. Not to be saved. His work on Calvary is sufficient to pay for your salvation. But your daily choice of taking up your cross is the way that you're to be His disciple. Which do you want? You can't bargain with God and say, I'd like a little bit of a lesser version of Christianity. 
something that's going to fit me a little bit better. How about you just say, you know, God, I'm going to let you determine what my life looks like. And I want, in the depths of my soul, I want to be your disciple, and I've got to deny myself. Father, this morning, <clears throat> such a danger that we would, <clears throat> in ways, gain the whole world and lose our soul, not, not in the sense of going to hell. For a believer, that's impossible, one that's truly born again. But God can lose the life that you want them to live. I pray that you'd help us here tonight, today, I mean, and, and God, that you'd help us to live for you rather than to live for self. We tend to savor the things that are of the world. And God, I thank you this morning that, Lord, you love us still and you work in us still. And God, I pray this morning that you'd help each and every one to evaluate whether they're a true disciple or not. And if they're not, then to get back in line. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together here.